This is the OHL N60 podcast. I'm Reese Maney along with Colin Ward. January 18th edition of the show. And not as much to get to today, but still, uh, still a decent amount of topics uh, that we're going to discuss. Uh, what we thought was going to be a really good featured game, it really wasn't. Hamilton destroys yeah. Kingston 8-1, so we'll start the show off with that and kind of give you our thoughts. And, well, we saw the Michigan, so that's always good to see. A big, cool. big uh, maize and gold guy, or maize and blue guy right here. So, um, you know, go Michigan. Oh. And Colin pulls out his stupid Ohio State hat. Go uh, box. Hideous. Oh, we will discuss a few games that stood out to us because there were quite a few uh, pretty good games this week. We'll chat about the TSN game, first first game uh, live on TSN by TSN broadcasters. I guess they did it online before, but this is the first time uh, we got to hear Victor Finley do some OHL games uh, for TSN. So we'll get to that. Um, now we'll look ahead to this week because there's quite a few matchups where, and again, we're still middle of January, there's still tons of time for teams to collect points, move up the standings and possibly drop if they don't end up winning. But, you know, there, there's quite a few big games coming up this weekend around the Ontario Hockey League. So we'll get to that. Kevin Hastings, 1,000th game uh, as an OHL official. So congratulations to him. We'll kind of chat about that. And, you know, we, we've seen him a few times, so just maybe we'll talk about some funny stuff that we've seen because Kevin, he always likes to joke around. You see it. We saw it in Kitchener uh, when they hosted the London Knights last week for our featured game. So uh, we'll touch on a few Kevin Hastings stories that we've seen from the, uh, the press box or the stands, depending on uh, what game it was. Uh, well, we were going to chat about the lack of postponed games. Well, that kind of changed on Monday, which really sucks. Uh, psych. Yep. That's what I'm saying. Because Sunday we played the first full schedule. No postponed games on Sunday. So, hey, that's good. But then it was a big psych the next day. Yeah. Niagara Ice Dogs not playing any games over the weekend. They are not playing tonight. Uh, Tuesday night, the 18th of January, they're supposed to host Peterborough. Uh, It was their makeup game for that New Year's Eve uh, tradition that the Ice Dogs always have. And, well, we're going to have to wait a little bit longer for that one. Uh, What else we got? Uh, Mid-season draft rankings. They came out this past Thursday. 62 OHLers made the list. We'll kind of give you our thoughts on where we think these players rank. Still obvious who number one is in the Ontario Hockey League, but there's still a few guys out there who are like, you know what, they could they could make a jump. If teams are looking for a specific skill set and a specific uh, talent, this guy could jump. And so we'll, a lot of underrated guys do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we'll touch base on that. Of course, player of the week, goalie of the week. Always got to talk about that because there were some really uh, cool performances this week by a lot of players. So who won the honor? We'll get to that later on in the show. And then, of course, this week's featured game. That's how we will end it on this week's edition of the OHL in 60 podcast. Oh, and I forgot to mention Colin Ward's stat of the day. Uh, We'll be mixed up well with a new sponsor that I thought of (laughs) five minutes before the show. So. Yeah, you already got one today. Oh, yeah, I do. Pumped for it. Love it. So, yeah, might as well get it started. It wasn't even close. Actually, it was uh, midway through the second period, and then Hamilton decided to score, like, three goals in two and a half, three minutes. It was an 8-1 final. 
at the first Ontario Center this past Sunday, the 16th of January. Kingston, yeah, their stars weren't really relevant in this one. And before we go through the scoring summary, Colin was at the game. Uh, I watched from home. And uh, Colin, just your overall thoughts on the game and the lack of um, attendance by the Kingston superstars in this one because Hamilton, it was an empty rink, but there might as well have only been one team on the ice the way that this game unfolded. Yeah, and you would think by the empty rink, it would affect the home team before the road team, especially the road team has played in a few more games or one more game. But there was just no urgency there. There was no urgency there. Um, If you look at the website, at the OHL website, you look at the box score, you look at the shots, Shane Wright never had a shot on goal. That's not good enough. And, Reese, I texted you saying, where's where's Wiz? Where's Wiz in this game? Like, there wasn't a lot going on there. And if it wasn't for the depth guys, and they're not really depth guys now, but if it wasn't for their second and third line guys, like the Maddox Collins getting on the score sheet, the Paul Ludwinski's in the corners. I mean, Ludwinski's a good player, but this game is eight nothing. And I mean, there was nothing there. And you and I think the problem is, and I know they went through the COVID situation there in Kingston. Uh wisdom wasn't there. There was a lot of issues there. But right now, by the looks of it, none of their core guys have improved where the other teams have. And that might be an issue from the trade deadline, not necessarily getting the needs that you needed. And you see that throughout other teams too, but Kingston is affecting them more than other teams because I think they had high hopes for this year and they do have high hopes for this year. I'm not writing them off at all, but when you give up 18 goals in two games on the weekend by a, who was a pretty good goaltender, he is a good goaltender. That shows a lot. That shows a lot of weaknesses. And I mean, I tweeted out yesterday, halfway through the game, 9:45 to go in the second at the commercial break. It was 2-1 Hamilton. The shots on goal were 21-5 to in the game. That's not good enough. You have five shots, and you want to win a Memorial Cup? That's not good enough. That is not good enough at all. It doesn't matter. Hamilton is a good team, but it does not matter who you are playing when you only have five shots. Five shots. You don't, like, I can believe that. I kept looking at the shot track. I'm like, oh, they're getting a shot? Nope. Like, I know that Hamilton defense core is good and maybe a little bit is to their credit, but there was nothing there. And, and I think right now with their captain, Shane Wright, obviously he's their, he's their heartbeat, right? And that's where it starts at the top and he's the top. And right now I think the problem is he just going through that draft year slump, you know, you all go all every first overall pick goes through that slump at around the dog days. And usually it's February when you play those weeknight games and stuff on the road. But He's just going through it early, and I think all he needs is one big weekend to get out of it. But right now, it's not good enough, and you need a reality check. I mean, they have a young coach there too, right? So it's going to be interesting to see how do you adapt to those situations. But it wasn't good enough, and we'll get to it in the game. But the second goal, and we both know what the second – and a lot of people know what the second goal of the game was. I honestly, I think the second goal kind of took them out of the game. Mm-hmm. He's never had a shot after that, so I think that was a problem. I don't know about you, but I think that's a problem. Yeah. Well, well, and for anyone who saw the – oh, Shane Wright just left the game, went to the dressing room. Uh, he was hit yeah. in the face by a puck, a dump-in. Uh, he came back in the third with a cage on. So uh, just a quick update for anyone who missed the end result of that one. Uh, Shane Wright is okay and uh, should be good to go. Probably going to wear a cage 
for at least the next weekend or two, but uh, he'll, he'll be good to go. But yeah, yeah going back to your, dump it. yeah, just got a chip right in the chin. Yeah. I wasn't really paying attention and then just turned his head to see where the puck was and, Oh, it was in his face. Uh, so, but yeah, just back to your five shots. I mean, you talk about a nine forty-five mark. We take the commercial break two one bulldogs at the time. And yeah, again, just that five, those five shots on goal. Those five shots were in the first period. Like they went 10 minutes and 15 seconds without a shot on Marco Costantini uh, in that Hamilton net to start the second period. And, you know, they, they, their lone goal came in the first, it tied it up at one. You thought, okay, you know, we're going to have a game now. Hamilton comes back, gets the Michigan, George Diaco beauty. And then Hamilton kind of is off and running uh, with six goals in the final 40. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the sense of urgency, I mean, he can look at Marilina and say, well, oh, he gave up eight goals. That's that's on the goalie. Well, no, you're not going to win an OHL game by scoring one goal. You know, you can, honestly, you can fault the goalie because there's there's certain situations. Oh, you know, we could have used a huge save there by Marilina. You know, maybe we come back the other way, get an opportunity on Costantini. Even if we don't score, we got to start generating momentum to get back into this game. And just really that didn't happen. It just whatever could have gone wrong for the Kingston Frontenacs went wrong. And just that was just the reality of it, and it led to an eight-one loss. So, it and was, it was all over the place. It yeah. was everybody's fault. It was everybody's fault because I'm looking at it in the third period, right? And I mean, obviously, we're gonna touch on the game, but when you get into the third period, and Hamilton, I mean, they're up eight to one. They're up five-one starting the period. Why does it Marilina even start the period? Why I was, I was kind of questioning that. I'm like, they, all right, I just. Kingston is not in this game. They're not scoring four goals in the third period. Let's on this let a young, let a young Aiden Spear get in there. Yeah. Let a young Spear get in there. You're gonna. That's a top team. They're gonna play up front, forward wise, skilled wise, like goal yeah. scoring wise. That's the best team Kingston's gonna play all year. So why not get a young goaltender repetitions against a Mason McTavish, a Winterton Meshack line? Can you imagine? So that goal, the the breakaway goal that McTavish scored on Marilina. And he comes in on the breakaway. Could you imagine if Spooner's in there, that experience? That's a third overall pick. Like, you're going to grow. You're growing. Like, how do you not get better, right? That's a good That's a good opportunity for a young kid. And also, when you make the goaltending change, you might see that reality check set in to everyone on up front that says, mm-hmm. okay, we got to be better. We just heard our number one goaltender in Maryland, which he is number one goaltender. No questions about that. But you got to be better than that. And that's the opportunity there. Also, they were terrible on the face-off dot. Yeah. They were terrible at the face-off dot, too. Absolutely, they were. 41-19, to 19, the Hamilton Bulldogs had the yeah. face-off advantage. Like, in the, yeah, I totally agree. The shots in the third period, 13-3 to three for the Bulldogs. It was, it, it was never close. From the midway mark of the second period on, it was, you know, the Bulldogs didn't score until that later quarter of that second period, but – it's yeah, there was there was no jump in their game at all. And also you look at the and also you look at the power plays, four one in favor of Hamilton. That's one of those. I mean, Drew Jackson, Matt Scott, the referees are good referees. They're honest referees. Some of them ref a few times at the games we've been at. They are fair. They are fair. And it Kingston didn't get the calls because they weren't moving their feet. They weren't doing anything. Yeah, they had five shots absolutely. halfway through the game. I mean, now you're gonna get calls if you only have five shots. You're not doing anything. You don't, I mean, you're not just gonna call calls, right? Like, yeah, it makes no sense. So yeah, you're not gonna get an NHL situation. situation where a hot mic is on. Yeah, oh, I yeah. wanted to get yeah. one on them. No, that's- yeah, exactly. No. Exactly. And 
it wasn't good enough. And I mean, look at shots in the third period. Look at shots in the third period. It honestly looks like a face-off. It honestly looked like a face-off wins in a period. If you didn't look at the shots on goal, you would think that's face-offs per, per period. And even that's low for face-offs. It wasn't good at all. And I don't want—I don't like torching teams necessarily. Torching teams. I don't like saying that. I don't like saying that so and so has to be better, but they do have to be better, and they know that. I mean, 18 goals in two games on a weekend isn't good. Isn't good at all. And I mean, Hamilton's a good team, but they gave a lot to them. I mean, the Niagara Ice Dogs. The Niagara Ice Dogs, who are in last place in the conference right now, put up a better fight, in my opinion. And I'm not knocking any—I'm not knocking anything, but. The Niagara Ice Dogs traded a lot of guys at the deadline, some big-name guys. I mean, Cam Butler was their captain. They were, Yeah, the production wasn't what we thought it was going to be, but he wasn't there. J.Q. Birdie wasn't there. J.Q. Birdie's a guy that brings a lot of energy to the game. Yeah, he takes a lot of penalties, but he's always in the forecheck. He's always in the around the puck. Those guys weren't there, and that was a game where Niagara could have – ah, we could have lost 8 nothing. Like, we didn't play good, right? And – they didn't play terrible. I mean, this a lot of those goals recently at the game were cross creased against them. They, yeah, Rosenzweig had no chance on yeah. any of them. We're, yeah, and but that's just the inexperience of the Ice Dogs' defense, like allowing that open man to get back door and just got p- caught puck watching. But I mean, that exactly. That's, and even to Hamilton, Niagara was the better team, even though they trailed one nothing after twenty. Niagara was the better team in that first twenty. They had more sustained yep. pressure. Like they didn't score on their two power plays in that first period, but they were in the zone. They were cycling it around. They were moving it high to low. They're getting shots on goal, and it was just it was good. It was sustained pressure in that game. And Hamilton was kind of yeah. like, "Holy crap, is this the last place?" We didn't expect this because it doesn't look like it. And then you know, obviously Hamilton ends up scoring six goals, winning six two. But you know, it almost you almost saw that frustration be like, "Hey, like." This Niagara Ice Dogs team is at the bottom. We let them into a lot of this game. So let's put up yeah. six here. We did. And let's go at Kingston because they're going to be a team we're competing against, along with Mississauga, obviously, and North Bay. But this Kingston team, let's take it right to them. And that's what they did. Uh, the Kingston Frontenacs, most shots on goal in a period six. And that was in the second period in 945 as well. So. Yeah, quickly run scoring summaries for you, Colin. One last point. Yeah, sorry. As I mentioned about, I mentioned Paul Ludwinski. Paul Ludwinski yesterday was a plus one. Plus one. (laughs) You lose eight one, you're plus one. That's pretty hard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not a big deal. (laughs) That's good. I mean, you lose eight one. That's one positive, I guess. I mean, the plus one. So interesting. Uh, started off Arbor Jack, I uh, 47 seconds into the first period. And of course the TV feed or OHL live is a little bit behind the game. Colin sends me a message. Oh, what a start to the game. I'm like, what are you talking about? It was, there's like a dump in and then a pass. And then they rimmed it around. It was a lot like, like last week. I'm like, what? And then they scored obviously in Arbor Jack. I his seventh of the year. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's the way to start it. Uh, Mason McTavish. And the man games. who returns, Colton Kammer, returns for the Bulldogs as well. So he gets right away on the score sheet. Uh, make it one nothing. Hamilton, 47 seconds in. And then Kingston gets their lone tally of the night, 15-03 into period number one. Maddox Callens, uh, his 11th of the year. Matthew Soto, Paul Ludwinski assisting on his 11th. And then here we go. 
Shout out to Reed Duthie. We're going to play the clip for you because it was a really great call. Uh, here it is of George Diaco's Michigan goal, assisted by Ryan Humphrey and Gavin White. Always like taking flashbacks to Michigan, the original goal. You see the maze in blue. And you're like, oh, yeah, that is that is studly. Michigan started that. Ohio State didn't. So sorry, Colin. Sorry, Reed. I know Reed Duffy. He's a big Buckeyes yeah. fan. Um, Michigan started that. You can't take credit for it. So sucks to be you. Colin keeps putting on Ohio State crap. Justin Fields, eh, he's old news. Step into the now. Stroke. <laughs> but I mean, I, I mean, Colin, you were there for that goal. Like, it, as much as it was yeah. to watch it on TV and watch it the cool. replay, but like, see that in person, just what, what you know what? Fans to see that in the crowd, right? <laughs> like, that's that's what I was thinking about right away. I was thinking about that. Like, if there were fans here right now, so that's a game Sunday afternoon. It's the first weekend home game for the Bulldogs. With it would have been the first weekend home game for the Bulldogs with fans after since the trade deadline. It would have been at least five thousand fans there. Yeah. Can you imagine how nuts that would have been? I mean, it was cool. Reed Duffy's call was amazing. That's like the call of the year. I mean, that was right off all that he had on it. The energy on that call doesn't get much better than that. And wow, if there were fans there. It would have been wild. And, I mean, I just missed the video, too. Of it. I got the Shane Wright goal video <laughs> earlier on in the year when he sniped far side. I got that video, but I just missed the video of uh, this little cross goal. Now I'm kicking myself for it because I usually yeah. video when the puck's going in the zone, but it's so hard. So yeah. I just missed it. But so I leave it to the pros, Mike Stubbs. Oh, hey, props to him. Not a big yeah. deal. Not He's got to coach you. He's got to coach you. Get you got a shadow. Got a shadow in one game. Yeah. But yeah, that was that was unreal. That was unreal. I was kind of in shock, to be honest. I didn't expect them to pull that off. But then again, players nowadays are so skilled. Why give them space around the net like that? If someone's gonna, if the defense are gonna stand there and look at you like, oh, hey, hey, how you doing? Why not just try it? Why not try it? Why not? If you try fail, it? oh well, it's hard anyway. So. Well, I was thinking about this earlier. Why not try the Zegras? Yeah. The one that he flipped it up in Buffalo there and flipped to Milano. Why not try that? You think about it. If the defense are going to stand there, Reese, the worst play in hockey that we do not like at all is when the defenseman pushes a forward onto the goalie. Okay. So the forwards usually get inside position on the defenseman in front of the net now. I don't get it, but they do. So why not flip it up and – the forward, the for, your teammate, your forward is going to have good positioning in front of the defenseman. Worst thing that's going to happen is they're going to cross-check into the goalie, and the puck's probably going to go in if it hits you. But it's yeah. a, honestly, the percentages of that goal, of pulling that off, are probably pretty high when you pull it off. The lacrosse goal is kind of tough because it's hard for the goalie, right, with all the upper body on. When you move to the right and you're hugging the post, it's so hard to get up above the shoulder, your head, right, as I do in motion. But it's so hard. It's so hard to get in that spot once it's above your head once it's above your shoulder in between your shoulder and head area around the neck it's very hard to get the crossbar so if you can really tuck it underneath the crossbar obviously avoid the high stick but you got to push it close to one you'll score every time and Diaco got Marilyn and caught right in the middle of the crease it was one of those are you going to pass it out front or what are you going to do and he caught them both 
defenseman and the goalie, but that was fun. That was that was very I was shocked, but it was fun to pull off. That's for, that's for sure. I mean, I've been trying it in chow, but there's a big difference. A little bit. Yeah. yeah. You're uh, gonna see a bunch of people in the Hamilton area today today and throughout the week trying the Diaco now. That's what's gonna be called in Hamilton, the Diaco. There'll be uh, a few signs. Let's see the Michigan again. So Yeah, you're gonna see a kid on the street going into the arena. You're gonna see a kid on the street there with the stick. Uh, oh, yeah. be, that's that's good for the game. That's good for the game. That's gonna grow. That's going to grow the fan base. That's exciting. Yeah, the Michigan goal, George Diaco's 13th of the season. Like I said, Humphrey and White assisting 18-12 was the time of the eventual game winner. Uh, Moved to the second, 18-02 into period number two. So about a minute 58 left. Uh, Cole Brown uh, on the assist from Ethan Sims. That was the insurance goal. And I mean, tweeted it out. I saw it all game. Like there was sustained pressure a few times from this Hamilton Bulldogs fourth line. And I mean, we haven't seen Biondi yet uh, in Hamilton colors, but yeah. you know, in that game uh, that they, they had more puck possession in the offensive end than the Kingston top, top line. line. Like that's, yeah. that's how good this Hamilton Bulldogs fourth line was in this game. Yeah. And I mean, when you see Hamilton, every Every good team has a good fourth line. It's not just Hamilton. And Hamilton, Steve Steos knows the importance of a good fourth line. And a massive point, a massive point about Ethan Sims, who I'm a big fan of. I liked him at Niagara. I just didn't think he was in the right situation there. And now he is. I I kind of thought that in Niagara, he wasn't playing in a spot he was supposed to be in. They tried to push him a little bit. And then once he wasn't in that top, that, six to eight forward range, you know, the third line guy or the odd second line guy. Okay. We're going to put you in the stands and you can't do that. Hamilton is perfect. You're going to come here for a 13th round pick in 2025. That's really, what are the odds that stays in Niagara? Like, yeah. What a really, really good, what a really good trade for the Hamilton Bulldogs. It's a low risk, high reward. You can't go wrong on that trade. You can't lose that trade. And they they get Ethan Sims, and this is the message they tell Ethan Sims. Okay, you're gonna be our fourth. You're gonna be on our fourth line. That's what you're gonna do. Any points that you get are a bonus. Getting assists there is a bonus. You're just gonna go out there hard on the forecheck, hard on the backcheck, battle in the corners, win bat, win puck battles, get be in the right spots, have good gap control, be stick to our structure, be out there for thirty seconds off the ice. Don't get scored on. Don't get scored on. Just be good defensively. And if you can do that and plus put points up, you had a heck of a fourth line. Hamilton had that before. Last in 2018, you saw an Arthur Cowley have down there once or twice. Yeah. You saw Navarin Mutter was down there. Yeah, Navarin Mutter, Nurse flirted around with that a couple yeah. times. They had a really good fourth line. This, I'm not saying it's close. I'm not saying anything close to that, but Hamilton this time around went out and got young and a veteran savvy on the fourth line. I like it. I really do like it. I think that's how you win. If you get a veteran fourth line that knows their role, you're in good shape. And everyone's going to talk about the Winterton, Misak, and McTavish line, right? Just rightly so. It's one of the best first lines in the OHL right now. But their fourth line is one of the best fourth lines in the OHL right now, too. So that's a very, that is a very good problem to have. It's a very good situation there. And uh, we're going to see how it plays out. It's going to be a fun playoff run for them for sure because there's a lot of teams that are going to be close to them that are good. Yeah, the insurance marker coming at the 1802 mark, like I mentioned. And just 50 seconds later, Avery Hayes, goal number 17 uh, from Morrison and Humphrey. 
And then not very far after that, uh, to be exact, 44 seconds following the Hamilton fourth goal. Mason McTavish, uh, his eighth of the year from Ryan Winterton, makes it a 5-1 game after two. And the Bulldogs would just roll uh, with three more in the third. Logan Morrison scores on the power play for his that, 15th of the year. Uh, Steos and Hayes assisting at the 802 mark in the third. That was another problem for Kingston. Sorry, Reese. That was another problem for Kingston because so the power play, the start of the power play on the transition, they came back the one-two-one. The one-two-one diamond's very effective. Hamilton used it on their PK. It's really effective. Okay, then the second unit comes out on the penalty kill for Kingston, and all of a sudden they change it up. Yeah, they go in the they go in the basic box, right? The two-two, but then you get guys passing it around through the box, and then it's just pick the corner. It's like that's what happened on the Morrison goal. But if they stayed in that one-two-one. Hamilton couldn't get in the zone. Hamilton couldn't get in the zone on the power play. It was terrible. And then they get to the goal. But it wasn't good the first half of that power play in, at all in the game, to be honest, until they scored. But they have stuff to work on too. But I don't know why teams change the penalty kill for a different unit. Because you see, I've saw that a few times this year throughout the league too, where the second unit comes out and it's just a different system. And it it's kind of odd to me. I mean, obviously different lines, different things. but the one, two, one this year throughout the league has been very effective on the PK. A lot of teams, obviously a lot of these guys are so skilled. They're so fast, right? In the league and they can skate and they can get the spots and it works and you get offensive chances shorthanded, but it just caught me off guard. Why switch it when you, Hamilton can even get in the zone and uh, then you change things up. Don't fix what isn't broken. Yeah. Hamilton fish, finishes one for four on the power play. Kingston only zero for one, but they, didn't move their feet enough, like we mentioned off the top, to get more than one power play anyways. Um, last two goals of the game, uh, quickly, Avery Hayes, 18th of the year, 11.32 mark of the third, Ryan Humphrey assisting on that one, and then Mason McTavish getting another one, his ninth of the year, second of the game, uh, Patrick Thomas, Gavin White assisting on that one at the 14.31 mark, rounding out an 8-1 Hamilton Bulldogs victory over the visiting Kingston Frontenacs. As we move halfway through the show before the break, uh, just a couple more games that kind of stood out to us. And uh, Colin, I'll let you go first because you I don't know how many times you sent me a text. Oh, this game's sick. Like Mississauga right now, they're unreal. I remember on Sunday night uh, when they were in Oshawa, just saying, oh, they're like so good. And I mean, you can talk about that game because it was very close. 3-1 Mississauga takes care of Oshawa. So that's one that uh, could kind of stand out to – to some people, I mean, Barry North Bay is an intriguing matchup. Uh, Barry wins 8-2 yeah. at the Memorial Gardens. You think, holy, Statement. God, where'd that come from? Um, yeah. Talk about the Sarnia Sting literally owning the London Knights this year. 4-2 win Sunday afternoon at I the cannot, like, well, Oh, my God. I was going to touch on that on goal turn of the week. Mitchell Leakes deserves the award, but performance, Ben Goudreau. I mean, 52 shots on goal. I mean, that was all London. 52 to 13, the shots on goal. And you win the game 4 2. Wow. Right? Like, you're, that's very, like, that's like what London fans saw with Tyler Parsons type stuff, where you're going to win a game. And that was just Ben Goudreau on his standing on his head. Um, props to him. And I mean, you get up for those games, right? You get up for those games. You're playing the London Knights. It's a big deal at the Bud. Hamilton's getting that now at the first Ontario Center. You're going to see that where teams are going to come in here, Byron, and they want to win. There's a lot of scouts there. 
the Camerons are there. We want to win. We saw Riley McCourt a couple summers ago say that on our show about that was a pivotal win. And you can see that now maybe with Sarnia going a little bit of a run. And uh, we'll see. But the game to me, that it was Mississauga. Mississauga, their whole weekend to me, they went two 3-1 wins. And it's funny, 3-1, right? They beat Mary 3-1 on the road. And then they go into Oshawa and beat Oshawa 3-1. Those are games to me where it's just their system. And I think – and I know everyone's saying Hamilton, Hamilton, right? Hamilton's a team, which is rightly so they can score a lot. But Mississauga is that one team that is going to be a pain for Hamilton to beat in a seven-game series. Look at Joe Ranger this year. Look at Badger. Yeah, we said Badger, and I don't know how he cleared waivers, but James Richmond's system is the best system in the Ontario Hockey League defensively right now. You can't even argue that when you look at Mississauga. I mean, they win games. I mean, they're sure their penalty kills. I mean, I saw a couple, I mean, two months ago when they were in Niagara, James Hardy shorthanded was a scoring threat. I mean, they were they were spectacular. When you watch them play shorthanded, they're in their system, they don't get out of their way. When and they're a fun team to watch because I can't wait till they get to go to Hamilton. We're up high in the press box there. And you can get pictures of their system. Look at the gap control. I mean, you can you can throw a blanket on the Ham, the Mississauga defender in the uh, opposing forward. I mean, you can cover them easily. Mm-hmm. It's just – it's really good. It's really impressive. They're in your face. They play hard defensively, and they score when they get their chances. And that's playoff hockey. You're not going to win the 8-1 games in the playoffs. That's not going to happen. Maybe once a series, maybe you might catch a team off. But for the most part, you don't see that a lot, right? And that's going to be very impressive. They're a team that's not going to go away. They could be a team that could be down 3-1 in a series and come back and win. They could be that type of team that they're never out of it. And Badger, we said we couldn't believe how he cleared waivers to get here. And Joe Ranger, look how good he's doing. But that system is in such a good place. I mean, guys like Bird just home. Bell Bell Blues, those guys are playing really good. And I mean, Owen back a draft eligible player too. Those guys are really good. And they're gonna be good for a couple of years to come. And it's really exciting to see Mississauga. I just wish to keep, I wish when the fans get there, I hope that that barn gets packed because it deserves to be very good team. Yeah, well, and that's when you go back to when the Erie Otters had that dynasty going. And, yes. You know, they finally won the OHL championship. They got to the Memorial Cup in Windsor and you know, everyone forgets oh, who'd they play in the OHL final? Oh, they played the Mississauga Steelheads, who a lot of yes. people are like, they're in an OHL final this year. Yeah, they are they because they were sneaky good. And they don't go you know, away. They again, beat all the good teams. Yeah, again, you look at all oh, Mason McTavish, all the hype around Mason McTavish. Bulldogs get Jack Eye as well. Like, obviously, there's a reason to be excited about the Bulldogs. It's just you get to the Mississauga Steelheads, and again, because nobody goes to their games, unfortunately, because they're Again, not really a small market because Mississauga is freaking huge. But yeah. in, in terms of people who go to the games, you could consider it small. But JQ Birdie is going to go down as one of the most underrated trades and undervalued trades. In That's why they gave up because, so much. Because nobody's talking him. Like, Mississauga wanted yeah. him. Like, he completes yeah. that top line for sure. Because Hardy, Del Bell Blues, and Uberti, they just work together. Uberti, the toughness and the grit that he's added to his game – does he maybe go a little bit too far I think sometimes? He gets a contract now. Absolutely, he does. But I think he gets yeah, a contract right? now with the move. Yeah, you look. You look at what this opportunity does for him. Obviously, it wasn't going as he planned in Niagara. You know, the Ice Dogs had him. Like obviously, when they had Kirill Maximov that 2018-19 season, 
Uberti was a rookie. You know what? Oh, Uberti, he's got the potential to be a Maximov. Like Maximov yeah. was tough. Like he he got into scrums. He took a lot of penalties, which again you don't want. But that's what kind of Uberti has the opportunity to be in Mississauga right now. He has the opportunity to be a Kirill Maximov. That you know Hardy and Del Belbelus are just going to fill the net with pucks. But yes. Uberti's going to be there on the wing, setting Good them points. up, or he might get you know, a few. Getting net. in the face of defenders who are trying to go after Hardy and Del Belbelus because Uberti has added that toughness to his game where he's not afraid to go do that. And maybe he'll take an offsetting roughing penalty, which sparks the bench and starts to get something going. So, th- yeah, this Big Mississauga time. team is a lot better than I think people thought they would be to start the yeah. season and way better than I thought they would be. So, um, you know, kudos to them. And yeah, they're just, they're just on a roll right now at the top of the Eastern Conference. So, yeah, it's uh, it. Th- th- this is going to be the one of one of the most uh, one of the most fun playoff races in the Eastern Conference, like in a long time. In the league in general, I mean, there's like five teams in each side where I could think this team's in it. I mean, look at the Eastern Conference right now as we speak: Mississauga one, Hamilton two, North Bay three, Kingston four, Barry five, Oshawa six. Okay, out of those teams. What's it? What's a team like? I can make a case for all those teams making a championship run one through six. I can make a cha- I can make a case for that. Yeah, Oshawa. I wasn't high on their goaltending. I wasn't high on their defense, but they can score. They can score. Oh, yeah. Barry Barry has one of the best coaches in the conference. One of the He's best goaltenders in the league. Exactly. There's a team. Okay. There's a chance. Kingston. We know what they can be. Coming in, they were the favorites. They were the favorites to win the Eastern Conference. They're in fourth place. North Bay, North Bay's loaded. North Bay has one of the best top lines that no one's talking about. Petrov, Co. Oh my gosh, that's good. that's nasty. And I mean, yep. Hamilton, Ty Nelson Hamilton. on the back end, Joe Verbetic and Nad. It just it's doesn't nasty. get any easier. And then and then Hamilton, Hamilton, Hamilton. They won the deadline. A lot of people have said right, and we agree with that. They had a good deadline. And then Mississauga's in first with that system of 49 points, nine points, nine points up on Hamilton and North Bay. Hamilton, 31 games played, Mississauga, 33, North Bay, 34. So games in hand, two games in hand for Hamilton on Mississauga, but Mississauga's in good shape. Well, and obviously for Hamilton there, obviously they're focused on Mississauga trying to catch them, but you know, you always got to be weary of Kingston because immediately if you're Hamilton, Kingston takes the lead. Oh, you go from second to fourth, which, you know, depending on where North Bay is, obviously has an opportunity to change that. Hamilton can be the third, but as it stands right now, if Kingston would win all three of their games in hand, that's where Hamilton would drop down to. They would drop down uh, to that fourth place. Actually, winning percentage is higher, so they'd be three uh, with North Bay. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, I agree. This is this is a lot of fun. And I, like you said, Oshawa can score. Barry can defend. I think we got to do that. Mark on D, like Kingston, they've got everything. They just got to start to get on a run again. Obviously, in a little <laughs> bit of a slump, they lost, lost their last three. So uh, I think next week we got to talk about that. Sorry, you said I think next week we got to chat about that. I think we got to go through each team and make the case why they can win a championship here in the second half. Certainly. That would be fun. Yeah. Each team in the top fun. five, each team in the top five in each conference. The East obviously I could say six, yeah. but we could, we should do that. Top six in each conference. Sure. Why, why they can win. We got to talk about that next week in one segment. 
that's an that's gonna be a fun one. That could be a fun one because there's a lot of potential in the league right now, and it's very good hockey. And uh, this is gonna be a fun stretch, that's for sure. Absolutely. Uh, before we hit the break, I only got just over or just under 24 minutes to go, even less than that in in the show. Uh, stat of the day, Wardy, what do you got? Yeah, stat of the day. So Mason McTavish, my shot tracker. That's what we're going to do. I did well on Mason McTavish yesterday. Obviously, the hype, it's for real. He had eight shot attempts in the game. And the reason why I started doing shot attempts is because a lot of times when you watch a game and then you look online, shots, there's only a guy that's like two shots. It doesn't seem accurate to me sometimes. I mean, there's some places where it does not seem accurate. So I started doing shot attempts. And the shot attempts that I did on Mason McTavish yesterday were very interesting. He had eight attempts. No slap shots. Obviously, a lot of guys don't take slap shots, but I was expecting a one-timer, throwing a couple one-timers there. But no, Hamilton's power play, they're not in the one-time spot. But two goals, the streak continues. Eight shots, two goals, that streak continues. So eight straight shot tracker games where there's been a goal. I think I've done eight. So I think every game there's been a goal. So I've locked out so far. So hopefully we stay hot going into the weekend because it might be a busy weekend for us. So that's going to be exciting. I'll probably do at least two. This week's stat of the day brought to you by Snow. Snow, you can go bleep oh, yourself. <laughs> See you later. <laughs> by the way, it pisses me off even more that Windsor got SFA. How does that like, come on? Hey, so, hey, I Bro. was going to tweet out. So, yesterday I was going to tweet out during the Wings game. I was like, and for the listeners that could agree, because I'm sure we have some Wings fans and some Sabre fans that listen to this show. There's if Are you a real – and Reese, you mentioned this too a couple of weeks ago. Are you a real Wings fan or Sabres fan if you haven't drove home in a snowstorm? I don't think you are. No. I think everyone's got a it. chance. Either if yeah. you're coming home from Buffalo, snowstorm in Buffalo, first of all, but driving a QW through Fort Erie and then up through Niagara Falls, or if you're coming from Detroit – up through Windsor or nothing, which would be stupid because the 402 is dumb in the winter. But you come up to 401 through London, you get all kinds of snow in the world. You're all doing like 60 miles an hour on the there's 60 miles, 60 kilometers on the 401. <laughs> and you just see the moron shooting by you doing 120. And then he's in the dish down and you laugh at him. But yeah, no, if you if you're Canadian and you're a true Wings or Sabres fan coming home from a game, absolutely you've been stuck in a snowstorm. Yeah, thousands. Yeah, yeah, like you have to be. Like it's lot. Like there's nothing worse. I mean, a couple. We've had it back to back years coming out of the pizza box in Detroit, Little Caesars Arena. Come out of there and it's just a blizzard, and then you drive across the border, and for us we go through the tunnel because it's right there downtown Detroit. You come out of the tunnel. And then it's clear. And then two minutes later, you get outside of Windsor, and then it's a snowstorm. There is nothing worse than the mind games. You get to London in like two hours, and it's like still an hour to go. Hour to go. You get to Chatham, and it's like, oh no, still an hour to go London. It's like, oh no, that's not fun. But yeah, that makes you. That's like the baptism of being a Wings fan, driving through a snowstorm. And I guess Sabres too, because of the snow belt, they definitely go through it. That's for sure. Oh, especially with the snow they got on Sunday night slash Monday. Ooh, no thanks. I don't want to live there. Hey, you know, you know what, you know what makes a snowstorm worth it when your captain Nothing. goes out. Absolutely and scores two. nothing. No, I don't your even captain care. Goes no, out. 
No, I would rather be in Aruba sitting on the Facts. beach watching yes. the, watching D-Boss score an OT winner. I don't – snow yes. can go home. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, I, I'm there with you. I'm there with you on that one. Call no, but we got to take the break. Uh, <laughs> you got to hit it. Got to hit it. Yeah, drink your water. Yep. Take a break. Uh, when we come back, uh, Kevin Hastings, 1,000th game officiated in Kitchener's hometown as well so uh we'll congratulate him we'll kind of tell a story or two about what we've seen from either a press box or a, or the stands of course uh mid-season draft rankings came out this past thursday we'll kind of touch on that uh players of the week goalie of the week and then our featured game uh for this upcoming week in the ontario hockey league so all of that and more next here on the ohl in 60 podcast Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the OHL in 60 podcast. The link tree is there. Uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts, we're probably there. Uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. Bulldogs Audio, Bulldogs Audio Network. <laughs> what are we finishing each other's sentences now? Can we just become best friends? Yeah. Go yep. to karate in the garage. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah. So wow. all of those platforms. Uh <laughs> chop my computer. Oh. You touch my drum set. It's Shark Week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The link link to the website there as well. Yo got all games. Again at the OHL in 60 podcast, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Instagram. Kevin Hastings, 1,000 games officiated in the Ontario Hockey League, and there's some pretty cool stats. He's done, he's done OHL Championship Series. He's done playoff games. He's done Canada-Russia Series. He's done a pro- top prospects game. Like The list just goes on and on for him. Uh, so we'd just like to congratulate him on 1,000 games uh, this past Sunday. Uh, he had the Kitchen Rangers hosting the Guelph Storm. And just... Uh, what was really cool to me is obviously people rag on the officials a lot, but both Kitchener and Guelph, uh, both shaking his yes. hand for a thousand games, a uh, third one to do so. So no, that, that was really cool. I mean, Kevin Hayes really is classy guy that he just jokes around. He wants to be there. He wants to have fun. And I mean, a lot of guys, obviously if you're going to move on to the NHL, you want to take it a little bit more seriously, but I mean, Kevin Hastings, he makes it fun and he makes it fun to watch. And I mean, again, we rag on the officials and everything, but, uh, Stuff to get mad at him when he's just joking around. He's always smiling. It's like that umpire where you want to get mad at him, and then he just smiles at you and is like, "Hi, coach. How's your day going?" And then you're like, "What? Yeah, I was we, just yelling at you. I would say that, right?" And it just he he keeps the game fun. And I mean, we saw it last Sunday when the Knights were in Kitchener. He came out onto the ice for warmups. Everyone started <sighs> clapping for him. Mike Farwell, Mike Stubbs, up in the up in the uh, press row, just that, like, that was awesome. So, I mean, congratulations yeah. to Kevin because that is one heck of a, an accomplishment. Yes, it is. That's for sure. Congrats. All right. Uh, where is it? All right. Midseason draft rankings, 62 OHLers uh, are on the list. Wardy, you've got uh, you've got 10? I have 10. Wardy's and got his 10 I, players. Honestly, I could have put 50 on here. 
I can, I honestly, I can think of 50 players right now in my head right now. And I watched a lot of hockey this year so far. Been to almost 40 games, 36 I'm at. I think 36. I'm not at, that you're so. counting or anything, though. Yeah. So I really like, I like to watch the prospects. So the pro, this is my list right now. One, obviously, is Shane Wright in the OHL, that is. Two, Ty Nelson, 26 points in 33 games. You want to talk about a steady defenseman, a powerful steady defenseman, 5'10, 196. You're get you you are getting a guy. I mean, he can move, he can move for 196. I mean, skating's not the issue with him. He's all around a really good player. Ty Nelson, number two. I think he's a top 15 pick. I don't know. I think maybe the size thing might hurt him, but he's Ryan Ellis to a T. They nailed that comparison. I don't like get, giving players comps. But, yeah, Ryan Ellis, but he's Ty Nelson. He's Ty Nelson. That's the best thing I could say to him. He's that kid. Um, third, Pavel Mintikoff and Saginaw. I mean, 22 points in 30 games for a D, 6'1", 192. That's nice. That's nice for a defenseman. You know, that's all around. What a good player he is. He's third. I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the first round. He's another first-round pick. And here's a guy that I think might sneak into the first round. Where he's my fourth. And I'm a big fan of his, Owen Beck. We just talked about Mississauga. Owen Beck, to me, is a late first-round pick that no one's talking about. 29 points in 33 games. Six foot, 190. Really good all-around player. We talked about it before with the Quinty guys. I mean, the Quinty guys, the forwards have the edge. The defensemen don't. This guy's got an edge up front. Prototypical, you can play anywhere on the up front for you. I'm a big fan of Owen Beck. The Joel Vanderland effect with the Quinty. And he's got me watching video every Saturday night, and I love it. Um, He sent me the page. He sent me the Quinty highlight, like the video page, and I'm all over that. It's unreal. It's heaven. Um, Five, David Goyette, Sudbury. I think Goyette's going to really benefit by the trades of uh, Stillman. I really think he's going to benefit. I think that's why they did it, because it allows those guys to get ice time and let them show their value. I mean, we're starting to see Quentin Musty score. And I think it's be, and I think that those guys are really going to succeed because of that more ice time. David Goyette, twenty nine points in thirty one games, really good player. Obviously, player of the week. So I, I was going to say, and he really showed the OHL and the CHL what he could do on TSN in Kingston because yeah. obviously the hype's going to be around Shane Wright. There's no reason for it not to be, but uh, David Goyette. Uh, just absolutely stole the show, and it was it like that was cool to see Sudbury. They were world, kind of on a, yeah, they were kind of on a little bit of a downtrend. They traded by a few guys, you know. All right, this is the demise of the Wolves this season. You know, they still got Musty. They're still going to continue to develop for the future, but uh, you know, they're still around because Goyette uh, is very good. So yeah, the one showcase that on TSN that that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, the one thing for Goyette that that may concern me going up to pro hockey is 174. It'd be nice to get up to 184. 180 is a nice, but when you're five, he's 5'11. So 5'11, 180, 184, you're going to play. You got the body. 170 something, you still might get pushed around a little bit. You know, you don't want to get caught being out of the perimeter too much, right? You want to get engaged. So that's the one thing where it may affect them, but really good player. That's for sure. Highly skilled, very good player. Six for me, and I think it's another one where a lot of scouts are going to watch this team play because they're going to go on a cup run here. Danny Jilkin and Guelph, 24 points in 27 games. He's 6'2", 183 pounds. And Danny Jilkin, the only thing, the only reason why, the only reason why he doesn't have 
probably 35, 40 points right now is because he's playing the net front spot. Yeah, the net front spot, you're going to get tipsy stuff, which he does get a lot of tips. But Pastajoff really affects him because Pastajoff's that guy now that's in the shooting spot. Jelkin's in the net front. But he does a really good job. He uses the size well, highly skilled. He's a really good pick, too, who I wouldn't be surprised if he goes in the first round as well. I was going to say 6-2 or higher. There's a good shot you're either going to be uh, down really? low, kind of where Ovechkin or Stamkos is to move in and out yeah. from in front of that, or you're going to be playing it in front of the net. Exactly. And here's and seven Reese is my, and I know you're going to agree with this one. And I, this guy is my most underrated prospect right now in the in my top 10. Luca Del Bell Belus in Mississauga, 45 points in 33 games, 6 1, 179. He has it all. He's getting points as a 17-year-old in the Ontario Hockey League on a good team. He's on the top. He's on a big spot there in a the top line situation, and he's putting up points. That's a really good pick to me. Don't be surprised about him in the first round as well, in my opinion. Big fan of his. And Luca Del Belbalu, 6'1", 179. Really good size there. He has it all. My eighth pick, Paul Ludwinski. I really like Ludwinski, 19 points in 27 games, 5'11", 172. There's a guy that gets some size on him. He's going to be fine. He'll fill out, though, for sure. Really good player, Ludwinski is. Excited to see what he can do. Yeah, playing with the right guys in Kingston, too, right? You're going to learn a lot. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And and scouts are going to be there watching him. He's going to have probably the most scouts at his games. I know I mentioned Guelph, Mississauga are going to have scouts because they're going to go on a run here. And they're going to draw attraction from scouts because they're going to want to see them play. But Paul Ludwinski is a guy that's getting scouts since day one. So, really good for him. Hopefully, he take, keep taking advantage of that situation. Mm-hmm. Nine, Matthew Poitras, Guelph, 22 points in 28 games, 5'11, 172. Poitras, to me, though, Reese is a guy that's really been good in the defense of that. He's really improved a lot. You don't notice a lot like Marco Rossi. A lot like Marco Rossi, where you watch Marco Rossi play alongside a fellow draft eligible guy like Jilkin Poitras. When you watch Rossi Quinn on that same age group, right in the in the same draft year, when you watch Quinn, you noticed him a lot going to the net with the puck, right, using his size. You notice that a lot with Jilkin and Poitras in Guelph. Poitras is a guy that's a you know you're not going to notice much with the puck until all of a sudden he's got like three points in the game, and it's like oh wow that guy's good. Yeah, that's who that is. Yeah, he should be high. And he started as an A-ranked prospect in the in the NHL central scouting list. He's a really good player, very good defensive guy. Reminds me a lot of a guy yeah, like how a Ross, he is a good two-way guy. I'm really excited to see what Quatris is going to do at the next level. He might he's a guy to watch out for on the draft list. Really good player for him as well. In my tenth and final player, Reese, big fan of his. I was really impressed. Saw him play three times this year. And he really good. Bryce McConnell Barker, it was really hard not to put it like I'm a big fan of Bo Gelsma, Pano Femus. Those guys are going to be good. Those guys are going to get drafted. They're really good players. They'd be my next two. But Bryce McConnell Barker, 23 points in 34 games, 6'1, 187. 6'1, 187. He can play an all around game. He moves pretty well. I'd say pretty well for a bigger guy. So it's a really good spot there. I'm a big fan of that suit team. I think they're good. I mean, I really like Dickinson, but I think McConnell Barkley is really going to develop with those guys, with the veteran team, and that's what you're seeing there. But that's my top 10. Colin Ward's top 10 as of January 18th. 
Mike, I said I have a 50-player database. NHL draft. Of course, OHL players, I'm sure you'll have it up somewhere, whether it's the website or Twitter. Um, if you want to see it a little more in-depth, uh, Wardy, you'll have it up somewhere. Uh, again, For stay sure. tuned. I have the website. 60 podcast. So uh, we'll get to the players of the week now uh, before we hit the break and chat about the featured game for the upcoming OHL week. Start player of the week. And Cartier and he kind of already mentioned it. There we go. He spit it out. Uh, David Goyette. And yeah, he just, it started uh, just Friday. Wow. Uh, uh, TSN against the Kingston Frontenacs. Uh, absolutely great weekend for him. Uh, Sudbury Wolves, they get a possible five. They get six. five out of a possible six points. He had five goals, two assists, four, seven points. Uh, in those three games, plus six as well uh, for the Sudbury Wolves. And they're not really going anywhere. They still have no, some good players. Like, it's not like they're going to fold after getting rid of everyone. They're still fighting yeah. for playoff spot. They're fighting to be in seventh, eighth in that Eastern Conference, right? So, yep. still lots to play for uh, if you're the Sudbury Wolves. Also in consideration, shocker, Ryan Winterton, Seattle Kraken prospect. Season debut this past week, of course, against the Niagara Ice Dogs uh, last Tuesday. Six points, a goal, and five assists. It's going to be a lot of points coming for him playing with Jan Mishak and, uh, and Mason McTavish. So that's it's just going to happen. I'm sure we'll see him get OHL Player of the Week uh, sooner rather than later. And then Coach Adelic, <laughs> seven points, two goals, five assists. Uh, three games, of course, Goyette's teammate with the Sudbury Wolves. So congratulations to Dave Goyette winning OHL Player of the Week. And uh, why don't we stay in Sudbury? Uh, Mitchell Weeks. Hey, what a, we saw, what a bounce back weekend. Yeah, I was just about to mention that. We saw that game in Niagara. He gave up wasn't three. I, mean, I don't agree with him getting pulled at the time, but that third one really wasn't a good goal. He just you know, it squeaked through him on the blocker side and just – yeah, it was just an all-around bad, not a good game for Mitchell Weeks. He bounces back 2-0-0-1, 2 goals against average, a save percentage of 9-24, and 109 saves over those three games. So that just Yeah, well-earned. Yeah, that tells you how well Sudbury <laughs> did this past weekend. Well-earned. I hope uh, – I hope you I, – I will say you know who because you know who I'm talking about is in the honorable mention stuff. I think you know who I'm talking about. We'll see. We'll see. see. Yeah, we'll see. see. Uh, Also in consideration, Luke Cavillan of the Flint Firebirds. He was two and one, three goals against average, save percentage of 915. Uh, One of those wins was a shutout as well. So, okay. Well, there. All right, Warrior. Who who is it? Only one. Only one? Only one. There's only one on here. Wow. Ben Goudreau. I mean, he had the best single game performance yeah. out of any goaltender this year. He had the best single game performance of any goaltender this year, and you cannot really argue that. 52 shots on goal. 52 shots on goal. And, and he stopped road, 50 of them. Yeah. How? Like, how? Like, wow. I mean, yeah, I agree with Weeks, but Ben Goudreau had the best single game performance out of any goaltender has had in our league this year, he has to be in the honorable mentions. 
got it. You got to credit that. A little upset. Yeah, a little heartbroken. Dang. You can tell it. You can tell the goalie love it. Oh, yeah. You can tell that. Oh, gets yeah. to the goalies, all fireworks going off. Happy New Year. You goalies are weird. Yeehaw. Anyways, all right, time for a break. When we come back, we'll round out the show and get to this week's featured game as well as kind of a few other games that, if you're bored, watch these games because they're going to be really interesting. So we'll get to that next here on the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Maney along with Colin Ward. Time for the featured game for this week. And we are going to head to the Wafku Center. Shout out to Pasquale Zito for that one. Uh, it is the Sioux Greyhounds making the trip to Windsor to take on the Spitfires. January 20th is the date of the game. 7.30 puck drop in Windsor. And these are the two teams that are going to battle it out uh, for that division win in my opinion, when it comes down to it, and essentially first or second place uh, in the Western Conference. They're just they're, they're neck and neck right now. It, this is one of the tighter, more underrated, uh, tighter races in the Ontario Hockey League. Windsor, 31 games played. They've got 38 points. Sioux Greyhounds, 42 points. They're currently in first place in the Western Conference. But they've played 40, or 34 games, I should say. So Windsor has three games in hand, London, four, four, five, not a big math guy here, uh, five games in hand on the Sioux Greyhounds. They're just three points behind them. Guelph gets even higher, six games in hand on the Sioux Greyhounds. But it's all about Sioux St. Marie and Windsor this week. Uh, that's going to be a fun matchup down at the Wafku Center because it, it is these two. I mean, you look at Flint, they got 36 points. Obviously, they're still in the race, but – now, I expect Windsor to pull ahead. Uh, that Andrew Parrott move works out really well for them, so that, like, that'll just work wonders for them. So I expect this to be a race right down to the final weekend in the Ontario Hockey League. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's going to be a good game. That's a battle, right? When you get those four-point games, you got to win those games. Yeah, that's going to be a big one. It's going to be interesting to see what the goaltending situation is there. Tucker Tyner versus Medita, I would imagine, will be the, will be the matchup. That's a good goaltending matchup for sure. It'll be interesting to see two veteran teams now, right? Go head to head. It's going to be a battle. Plus, Pascali Zito, show guy, starting to heat up the oh, yeah. Windsor. So, player to watch if you're tuning in on Thursday for sure. Don't be surprised if you hear his or see his name a lot on our Twitter account. This will be the third meeting of the season between the two clubs. Four to three was the score uh, for each of the first two meetings. Sault Ste. Marie taking contest number one. Uh, back on November 13th, that was a, like I mentioned, 4-3 final in favor of the Greyhounds at the WFCU Center. And again, 4-3, Windsor takes the second meeting on December 16th, also in Windsor by a score of 4-3. So this is kind of the rubber match in Windsor, although they have one or two more uh, in Windsor. But Windsor has yet to make the trip to Sault Ste. Marie. So, I mean, Windsor's got to win these games at home because it's never easy to drive up to the Sioux and play a hockey game, especially in the middle of winter. So uh, these are very important points for Windsor. And, of course, Sault Ste. Marie, you want to get points on the road, right? But For sure, big game. Four points away. 
Absolutely. Wafku Center, January 20th, 2022. 7.30 puck drop uh, between the Greyhounds and Spitfires. Quickly, before we check out this week, a couple matchups that are intriguing for Colin Ward. Yeah, so for me, it's a head-to-head game Saturday, Sunday, and I just postponed Guelph Saginaw, postponed on Friday. So that's going to be interesting to see. Guelph doesn't get the back-to-back-to-back, the three-and-three. London does. London plays at home Friday night against Erie, possibly. Maybe the cross-border affection there, but we will see. But right now, that Friday, that Saturday-Sunday game, home-and-home, Guelph-London is the game. Those are the games you can't miss. Those, that's the game. I mean, that game's very crucial on the schedule. Guelph having that game in hand is very important, one point behind the London Knights. So the pressure is on the London Knights in those games. The pressure is on them, and it's going to be interesting for sure. See how they bounce back. I mean, after Goudreau's performance, it's going to be interesting. I mean, Owen Bennett's no slouch. I would imagine he goes both games. I mean, they have a good backup there in Oster, but I would imagine Bennett goes both games as long with Brochu. I wouldn't be surprised if Flores starts Friday night against Deary for the London Knights as well, just to get Brochu those two and two mm-hmm. on the week, on the Saturday, Sunday. So those are my games to watch for me. It's that home and home, London Guelph. Yeah, well, I mean, again, that's just like Sault Ste. Marie and Windsor, the fight for that division win. So, yeah, that'll that'll be enjoyable. I mean, Hamilton, they're going to head out on the road for the first time as a new group, I guess you could say. New so team. that'll be that'll be intriguing to say to see how they do. Of course, kind of a rematch at the Leon Center, Hamilton and Kingston. They'll do battle Friday, January twenty first. So obviously, that one uh, I'll be tuning in for just. See how Kingston responds home ice after an 8-1 thumping uh, at the first Ontario Center this past Sunday. So uh, that's the biggest one that stands out for me. Uh, So, yeah, it should be an enjoyable weekend. uh, For sure, it always is in the Ontario Hockey League. But uh, it's time for us to step aside and talk next week. Uh, It's fun, of course. Again, one reminder, Thursday... January 20th it is the Sioux Greyhounds Windsor Spitfires at the WFCU Center. 7.30 puck drop. We'll have all the updates for you. Twitter, Instagram, at the OHLN60 podcast. Make sure you stay tuned on those channels. And we will be back. See you Thursday. Should be fun. Yeah, we will see you Thursday. We will chat again in seven days.